0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: All powers to oppress people, African power to African people, black power. It's your brother Chairman Yang and Kruma, People's Black Panther Party, coming at you again with What's on Your Mind Mondays. Uh man, fortunate enough to be coming at you and just 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 thanking everybody. Listen, the last show that we had was such a big success and such a big hit that Like I said, I wasn't going to start repeating and going over and be redundant um, and making that the theme. But some things came out of that show that let me know how truly misunderstood or misinformed the masses of people and those people that are um, in in the formations not the so not just the everyday people out here, everyday African people out here getting it in, but the people that in the formation, how they really didn't know what was going on. They were misinformed. Now, whether that was intentional or purely by accident, and just people coming and trying to fill in the blanks and wondering why we had so many formations, it all went into the to the same thing: misinformation. Misinformation. A lot of the people thought that we were divided because of personal reasons because we followed the cult of personality and that um, a lot of us were just on this, you know, homeboyism or homegirlism, and this is where we're going with and this is how it's rocking, so this is where we're going to fall out, and not really understanding that a lot of it was based on ideology. And when I realized that a lot of us didn't understand that it was based and do that are the uh, faction or the various parties were based on ideological differences, when I realized that was because it wasn't known because a lot of the parties don't have strong ideology. They don't have strong ideology. Yes, yeah, sure, they have what their manual may say or what they, someone has told them that their ideology is. They say, well, we're revolutionary black nationalists, revolutionary pan-Africanists. But if you ask them, What that means, they couldn't tell you. They don't have the slightest idea, the faintest clue what those words mean, let alone how to implement them or carry them out, how to set up real programs to start to teach our people, and when I say our people, the masses of everyday people, how to implement these programs or why are these the implement this ideology or why it's important to have this have this as a core ideology, core philosophical belief that this will dictate your morals and your ethics, how you view the world, how you view yourself and your place in the world. They don't have the faintest clue. They couldn't begin to tell you. I look at a lot of, and this is not to come on and to bash anyone, it's just to state the facts. We are living in real times, brothers and sisters. We are living in real times. We have a president that has been elected, and some people are saying that he's calling for an American nationalism. So if you don't understand what nationalism is, if you don't have a strong ideology or a strong understanding of ideology and people's ideological beliefs, then you wouldn't understand what they mean by that, and you wouldn't understand what I mean by when I say that I don't think that he's calling to ideology or a nationalist ideology, that he's calling to fascism. What is fascism? So we find that these various formations in their – Sincere efforts to want to help our people and want to be busy and start to do something to be beneficial for our people, they go out, they do the most fantastic things, and I think those are wonderful. They get these programs. You got the sincere brothers and sisters who are very, you know, um, very militant. They're very militant, at least externally. They look very militant, and so they get their guns and they march and they stand around and they look very tough. But what is it all for? What's the end game? What's your long-term aspiration, your goals, and your fruition? What do you want to bring into fruition? What do you want to see? Where do you want to see the uh, African people here in America headed? Where do you want to see us headed? And I see that we're constantly talking about most people To my understanding. I would think that you would have, an uh, in most formations, my opinion, of course, seems to have an ideology of survivalism are doomsday. I see you. A lot of you are very, and there's nothing wrong with being prepared. I think preparedness is essential for any revolutionary. He should be prepared. He or she should be prepared for any contingency, any emergency that would befall the people. Then the revolutionary should be prepared for that. And not just the revolutionary being prepared, but the role of the revolutionary is to start to train the masses of African people in America to be prepared for any disaster that may be befo- made before them. Not about establishing these elitist groups that you got your little clique over here, and you're prepared, and you got your few little supr- su- supplies. <laughs> Excuse me. And you're prepared. But you're preparing the masses of African people to survive a revolutionary transitional period. This revolutionary changing that takes place based on the resources at their disposal. See, A strong ideology will help you to understand that. And you won't be um, all over the place. Go ahead, I defy you. I dare you. You know how I do. Every week I get on and I start to issue challenges. I challenge you to ask your formation, the leaders in your formation, what is your ideology? And when they tell you what your ideology is, ask them to explain that ideology and the steps that you're taking to make that ideology or that philosophical belief, that belief system, that belief factor, a prominent thought in the masses of African people in America. And they won't be able to do it. They will have catchy one-liners. That sound very good. They have these catchy one-liners. But when you see, they'll say things like, um, we we don't talk, we work. we we'll work towards what? If you don't have a strong ideology, you're like a hamster. In a wheel, running, exerting energy, spending energy, and running your little legs off, running your heart out, and not going anywhere. And not going anywhere. importance of having that sound ideology. What is the People's Black Panther Party ideology? Our ideology is revolutionary black nationalism, revolutionary pan Africanism. What does that mean? The revolutionary part in our ideology ties us to an international understanding. The revolutionary must be an internationalist. The revolutionary part of our ideology, when we say revolutionary ties us, means that we're anti-oppression, that we're anti-oppression anywhere, not just here nationally, but internationally, and that's, We believe that the revolutionary means that we believe a total and complete and constructive change must take place. This is what revolutionary means. When you find revolutionary at the beginning of a lot of these uh, organizations, this is what they mean, that a complete and total change must take place. That the current system that governs us and that Um, Operate Is it And that we don't believe That we will find Our salvation We don't believe that we will find Any
0: recourse
1: We don't believe that we will find Any empowerment We don't believe that we will find Any equality in the current uh, System This is what the revolution part Of our name means when we say revolutionary that it must be a complete and total overhaul the black nationalism what is nationalism and you get the people that say well how can you be black nationalist when you're not a nation and then this is where we diverge into a lot of and this is why it's important to know ideology this is when we get a lot of people that we diverge and say well what land did black come from, and how are you a nation? And you're not a nation because you don't have this and you don't have that and you don't have an identity. But nation can be defined as the people that came from the same landmass or same cultural experience, uh, uh, the same share, the same cultural background, all come from the same shared experience. If the African here in America and I know that you're gonna have those people that say that we were here before um, that we were here before slavery and this and that and I understand that. But this same common shared experience is that of the African Holocaust, the Maafah, the basis to be a nation, to consider ourselves as a nation. The only reason that we're not a nation is because we don't perceive ourselves as a nation. So the nationalist is one who belongs to this group that comes from the same landmass
0: or who has the same
1: share, the same cultural background, same cultural upbringing, or has a shared experience. And from this shared experience, The nationalist is one who believes in nationalization, meaning pulling their resources and using their resources and their labor and their energy and their intelligence and their time time for the benefit of the people from whom they belong. This is what nationalism is, and black is self-explanatory. Now, we can get into arguing about semantics about the whole black thing, But I think for the sake of having a direction and a sense of purpose, that that is such a small, that that's something that can be overlooked. That is such a small and minute thing to argue about. And what is pan-Africanism? We understood what revolutionary was, was the one whom he or she believes in a complete and total change. That they're revolutionary is an internationalist. So that change is just not locally or just not nationally but globally. So revolutionary believes in complete and total change that understands that the system that they operate under isn't for their uh is, is not doesn't have their best interests at heart. That there is no empowerment, that there is no salvation in the system that we currently operate under. So the pan, pan means global, all-inclusive pan. African. So we feel the pain of our brothers and sisters. Ever you find us of African descent. And this is what we're saying, and this is what we mean by that. Why is this important to know? It's important for us to know because what ends up happening is We start running in circles. We get the leaders who come out and start espousing rhetoric. They come out and they move you emotionally. And some of these leaders are very charismatic. My God, they're dynamic, awesome. There's no real objective. They have no real objective. You see? They have no real goals and no real objectives. no real objectives, so they just espouse. They just come on with more of the same. You see. This is what we this is what we why we're addressing some of these issues tonight. Because we understand looking around that the people don't understand why the splits came about. I read about what people are talking about, that they want to operate, that all the Panthers should operate under one banner. You explain to me how. How is that possible? When a lot of you Panthers don't have an idea of what you're trying to accomplish.
0: A lot of you pamphlets
1: don't have the first clue of what's going on. You're reactionaries. You're caught up in a hype or something happened. a tragedy happened, and you're flying off. So it's understandable to be emotional. Like I said, righteous indignation uh, has its place. Righteous anger has its place. Righteous rage has its place. So that is very understandable. But when you don't have a sound ideology, when you don't have a sound direction, then you're only and always just a Band-Aid on social issues and social problems because you don't have a clear cut, uh, a clear-cut direction. You don't have a long-term goal. And this should not be the case. With any path of saying that they follow the 10-point platform because point number 10 of the 10-point platform is that we want to be, to sum it all up to paraphrase, that we want to be self-governing, that we want to be self-governing. So now we have to get in our think tanks, see? This is why a lot of formations don't want to deal with ideology because it causes one to have to think. It causes one to have to sit down and really consider and contemplate the future and the steps that they're taking, sure, that we have a future. It's easier to be angry. It's easier to be upset. It's easier to get out here and protest after the fact. It's easier to be a reactionary and not proactive. And I'm up for the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. This is your brother, Chairman Yang and Krumah, Independence, Black Talk Radio, the People's Black Panther Party. You can hear one come in. You know that I'll recognize you and open your line. If you want to share, if you have an opinion, a comment, or if you disagree with what I'm saying, if you disagree with what I'm saying, See, the time is now the time for the empty rhetoric, the time for the sensationalism. What do I mean by rhetoric and sensationalism? Rhetoric, the empty talk, the talk that isn't beneficial, the talk that doesn't add up to anything, the talk that is, is like um, tinkling, the tinkling of bells in the wind. There's no substance. There's no substance to their speech. And the sensationalism, oh, how we're sensational people, oh, how we love sensationalism. If one thing I will, there's many things that I admire about the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, and one of the things that I admire about him is how he captured our, um, he captured the, he understood that African people love pageantry. And so we love the sensationalism. We love the pictures on Facebook or wherever on our social media. We love to look so stonic and heroic as if we're doing a mighty thing, as if we're really ready to move mountains, to part seas. And under these heroic and Such stonic pictures We have some of the most uh, Some of the most Profound statements You would think Like I said before You would think that You're dealing dealing with Superheroes But it's rhetoric Ask them where they're going Ask them their ideology Ask them why there's a difference They talk about the old they talk about the so-called third development, what they call the originals. Why did the originals? This is why I never got caught up into this nation, Oh, the originals are reactivating. The original Panthers are doing this. Original Panthers are doing that. When the issues from what divided the East and West Coast haven't been resolved. They haven't been resolved. Is there any wonder that we have a factionalized? You shouldn't be surprised that we split up into factions. It shouldn't surprise you. They split up into factions. They they split up into split up into factions over a lack of a proper. Or I'm not going to say proper ideology, but over the di- differences over the disagreeing of ideology. So yes, we split up. I would love for someone from these factions to come on and tell me what their ideology is. This is why I asked last show, unify on what? Unify on what? Are we black, brother? Is that sufficient? How many Negroes have sold us out Throughout the annals of history, how many black people, people with black skin, have sold us up the river from the beginning of the Maafah, from the beginning of the African Holocaust, the African, the transatlantic slave trade? How many Africans participated in that? So black is not sufficient. So build on what? Black supremacy? It is going to shock a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to get mad at Brother Yanker. I'm not a black supremacist. I am not a black supremacist. I don't believe in the superiority of a person based on their their uh, ethnicity. Ethnicity. I'm trying to learn to say that word right. On their ethnicity. I don't believe that because you're born with a darker you that somehow you're superior. And if so, that just means sometimes a superior devil, a superior devil, I believe in the works and the merits of a man or woman that they should be judged by. So I don't believe, like we have these white supremacists, I don't believe that you can replace a white supremacist system with a black supremacist system, all oh, the people going to get mad. They'll be talking about this. That Negro gang, he said he ain't a black supremacist. So unite on what? What are you united on? What is your ideology? Take a test. Take take. I mean, don't get mad at him. I'm just keeping it real tonight because the gloves are off. The gloves are off. I'm sick. Of looking at this sensational stuff, hearing the rhetoric, and to me, it is going too far. I think that it is misguiding our people. I think that we have commercialized our struggle. We've commercialized our struggle. We've sold our struggle. Our struggle has become a fashion show. Look on Facebook, it's become a sheet. It's become the hip thing. And it's not a struggle. It has lost its substance. It has lost its real merit Because there is no ideology. No ideology. There's no direction. There again, Like I told you, it's going to be a hot show, and a lot of people feel it's going to be hot. And if you disagree, press one, chime in. But I got to say it. But I got to say it. With no ideology, there's no real program. I love the Feed the Homeless, Feed the Hungry programs. I think those are wonderful. But with no ideology, you only offer social band-aids, not a people to teach the people self-sufficiency, not to inspire and motivate the people to begin to do for themselves, to create, to give them the tools and the instruments. To give them the tools and the instrument of self empowerment. Because you have these programs where you're feeding, but what's the difference between you and First Baptist? Uh, our Savior on Mount Calvary, Church of the Holy Episcopal, Protestant, Methodist, Light, Shining Rock. What's the difference if you don't have? A proper ideology. You only create programs. That are social mandates. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Feeding the homeless. And feeding the hungry is noble. It is noble. But our larger picture. The bigger picture. Is creating programs. That aid. To self determination. That motivate and inspire us to want to sort to do for self and not just motivate and inspire us to do for self but gives us the tools to begin this journey of self determination of self governing this is the importance of ideology it's gotten out of hand brothers and sisters it's gotten way out of hand we find that with with what's going on in this day and time, you find, like I said, to go back again, to reiterate again, so much sensationalism. You find so much sensationalism. You find that the movement has been commercialized, that we've been reduced to who's the chicest, to who looks the nicest in their uniform, who has the flyest button or the flyest pack. And it doesn't mean anything if it doesn't have, if that button or that patch doesn't have something that comes with it. That if it isn't a beacon or an emblem of some type of of liberation, however that liberation looks, with the proper ideology, you begin to be careful, you're mindful of what you teach the people because you don't become a romantic. Romantic a romantic See the proper ideology Will cause one to have to study And this is what we find Isn't this what we find Our people they have romanticized The revolution They have romanticized the struggle They don't understand They romanticize The so-called militant aspect of our defense minister, U.E.P. Newton. They see the gun. They saw him sitting in the wicker chair with a spear and a gun, and they're they're off in their imagination. Not understanding the brilliance of this man, his political understanding, his ability to be a, a tactician, a social scientist, in a sense to understand the importance of the program. See, we throw in programs and swear we, we have a little program and how about just like the third development or just like the originals. You got your little picture of your program up there. But that isn't what empowered the so-called original party. It was the ideology. It wasn't the grit alone. It was the ideology that came with the grit. It was the example of self-determination that we could do for ourselves. The clinics, the the, the free clinic, the testing for sickle cell anemia, safe teens against a fearful environment, the bus to prison program. The refurbishing of shoes, the community patrols, it started to show us that we could start to do for ourselves. So the danger was in the ideology, the danger was in what was being taught in the fact that our dear brother, Defense Minister Huey Newton was a revolutionary, and a revolutionary must be an internationalist, he began to identify, and not just he, he began to awaken the masses of people to, to an international revolutionary struggle, that we weren't alone in our exploitation and oppression. That you were finding this all over the world, and not only were we not alone, but that people in similar situations had shaken the yachts, had broken the 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 shackles of the oppressor. And this government couldn't have this. He couldn't have you and I waking up and identifying our struggle to an international phenomena that was sweeping the globe. He couldn't have you and I waking up to that. He couldn't have you and I studying revolution on an international level and beginning to implement some of their ways. And their ways didn't always start off with gunplay. Man, get that out of your head. You Negroes with these little pea shooters, like my chief of staff calls them, with your little side on. Talking about you about to do something. It's, it's, it's the most laughable thing I've ever seen in my life. You got your little side on and you don't even make bullets. You have to rely on your oppressor to fight you, to fight you. What kind of sick shit is that? Because you're out here in this sensationalism. You don't even make your own bullet. How about better box some bullets? You think this man, man, please. When are we going to wake up and be real about this thing? Take this thing serious. So we start on a grassroots level. Like Chairman Carr says, even before the grassroots level, the dark we the mud movement. Ain't even the grassroots movement. We begin as a mud movement, and having real programs that inspire the people to start to be concerned about their living conditions and their neighbor next door. What the hell you marching down the street for with your rifle and the people on the block don't even know you? You look like an occupied force. You're walking in with your tactical, with your BDUs. You look like the, what we call in Atlanta, the jump out boys, the SWAT team. It's hard to distinguish you from the police because the community don't know you. And you got the nerve to walk through the community with your guns so you don't walk through the community with your guns. You're not patrolling your communities with your firearms. You're waiting for the next event. You're reactionary, you're sensationalist. You're waiting for the cameras to come out, and you want to march in front of all of these places with the news cameras out there. Now, I'm not saying don't defend. I'm an advocate, a very big advocate of defending yourself. I think that it's only natural that someone should defend themselves. And we're still talking about ideology here. Only this is a part of our ideology. Only this is a part of our ideology. But we're getting to understand it. And why? But when I say that I'm an advocate of defending yourself, and I love what these groups are doing if they're defending us, but what institutions, what um, systems? I'm not going to use institutions. I know how we are as African people feel about that word institution. But what systems are we defending? What systems do we have in place that we're defending? I was watching a video on YouTube, and I'm not going to say what formation this was, but they were out feeding the people. And I guess it was Slash feeding community slash arm maneuver because they were feeding the people and they had some soldiers out there that had their weapons. Okay, that's understandable. If you're out there and you have your weapons, then apparently you're protecting the feeding program, or maybe you're demonstrating your Second Amendment right, or possibly, quite possibly. You're defending the masses. Of- and that's understandable. But when the police showed up, they shut down the feeding program. So Okay, you weren't there to defend the feeding program because that was shut down. They snatched one of the soldiers and took his gun. Okay, so they snatched the soldier and took his gun, so you couldn't have been there to demonstrate your Second Amendment right. And in the fray, in the shuffle, a young girl's lip was busted. So, okay, they harmed the people and the child at that. And nothing was done. I'm not saying that shots should have been fired. I'm just saying, where did you have your gun? They brutalized the people, shut the feeding program down, and snatched one of your soldiers and took his weapon. Why the why the necessity of an arm maneuver then? to get the ooh and the ahs of the crowd. But when you challenge these people to get a healthy working knowledge of ideology, to understand the progression, and and at times a slow and tedious progression, a slow and tedious process, when you challenge the people to do that, you'll find their eyes rolling in the back of their head you'll find that they don't want to commit to study. They don't want to do these things. You see? And without this proper ideology, we're just fumbling in the dark. We're just fumbling in the dark. They're not worried about you and I as individuals or even in these little so-called groups that we have without a strong ideology. That's what they're worried about. They're worried about this thing called revolutionary black nationalism. They're worried about if we start to come together and we start to emulate a lot of our counterparts who understand the concept of nationalism. See, they make, when it's applied to us, they have you and I thinking that it's a dirty word. They have you and I on this multiculturalism this so-called humanitarian uh, um, understanding. And believe me, a revolutionary is a humanitarian. I'm a humanitarian, animal lover. I mean, I love the ecosystem. I love the planet. I love the birds, the bees. I love it all. It's wonderful.
0: But they have you and
1: I so afraid of the word nationalism and going through extra effort and changes to show that we're so far from being a nationalist that we become over humanitarians. We become so humanitarians that we forget we even belong to the damn human race. We forget that we want some human rights. That our human rights are being violated. I'm scared of this nationalism. But everywhere you go you find everyone else everyone else practicing nationalism. You brothers and sisters that live in major cities, look around. Look around. What do you think little Italy is? It's Italian nationalism. What do you think Chinatown is? It's Chinese nationalism. Little Mexico and little Russia. And find your little black self, you and I, in not little Africa. Find us, especially the African here in America, even our. Foreign brothers and sisters. I think up in New York they got at least got a Jamaican Queens. Even the our foreign brothers and sisters to a degree practice a form of nationalism. And you wonder why they come up with Africans don't like us, the Jamaicans don't like us, they think they're Because they watch us try to be everyone else, emulate everyone else, give our dollars to everyone else, party with everyone else, dress like everyone else talk like everyone else and eat everyone else's food and leave our houses wide open. And the first time you real revolutionary brothers and sisters out there, you true nationalists out there come along and say, hey, we must unify. We must stick together. We must pull our resources. We must practice accountable spending. We must take control of our neighborhood. We must raise our children. We must be good fathers to our wives and wives. Our women be good wives to your husband, Our good husbands to our wives, and wives be good women to your husband. The first time you said, they say, I ain't on that black stuff. I ain't on that hate. Why is it hate to love yourself?
0: Why is it hate to love
1: yourself? But you will go into a store that is owned by other people. And they hire their whole family in there and they may hire one or two of you Negroes. They gotta do that so the natives don't get restless. They do that so you don't the natives don't get restless. But they own a chain of stores and all of them in black communities. And you Negroes are so scared of nationalism and so eager to show any people that come in oppress you, hey, I'm cool, I'm one of you, that we go in and, and, and Accept it We accept it
0: With all our hearts
1: Not understanding that everyone Takes from us That everyone borrows our ideas and our concepts Not even borrow and They don't give them back They change them around and then Make us fall up under the Legislation of them But they steal our ideas and our concepts, our brilliance, our labor, our sweat, and take it to build their communities, their empires up. And we go for it. And we go for it. So this is what nationalism is. Nationalism says that the African man and woman here spend close to a trillion dollars a year out of their community and out of that trillion dollars only half of 1% goes around the black community out of a trillion dollars they tell you there's no money in the black community who told you that's the biggest lie ever perpetrated on black people if it wasn't money in the black community you wouldn't have all of these scores in your communities targeting you, it's unaccountable spending, it's that fear of the word nationalism, it's that fear of really coming together that has our sisters going into these hair places and these shops, spending hundreds of hundreds of dollars on with Koreans on products that are specifically designed for you not hate? How is that hate to love myself enough to say something is not right here? Something is not right here. Why is it hate to say, why am I only limited to one language but every foreigner that comes over here has their mother language, the native tongue that ties them back to a people and a culture and a landmass? one language, and that's the language of a people who have perpetrated the worst crime in the in, in the history of the world, and I speak their language. But if I want to learn some African, something that is reflective of my origin, something that's reflective of who I am as an African, as a black man and woman, then as hate. And you'll find people shunning us, running from us. That's a sickness. That's a sickness and a perversity and a a disease in their heart. Something that we should be mindful of. This is what nationalism is. It ain't about hating no damn white man. I don't give him the time of day. I don't put that much thought and effort to hating other people like they you think that they foreigners that come and build thriving economic empires off of our unawareness and outright ignorance and our unaccountable spending. Do you think that they really just spend the time of day saying, how are we going to hate the nigger? They see a gold mine. That's what it is, is that, it's that simple. They see a gold mine and they capitalize off of our disorganization and our lack of unity. So that's what it is. So it isn't about a hate thing. So we just have to start to begin to understand this. We have to begin to start to realize that it's only natural that we stick together. That it's only natural that we start to build houses, communities, and schools around one another, people that have the same shared common experiences. That it's only natural. Everybody does it. So, where does this Pan Africanism come in? We're saying the same thing there again. Look to your counterparts. See, this is my thing. When someone tells me that I'm racist and I'm on this black and white stuff, I say, don't tell me, tell everybody else. Tell me, tell everyone else. When the Hispanic comes over here, whether it be Puerto Rican, Mexican, whatever, when the Indian comes over here, the Hindu, the Arab comes over here, they work and they send money back home. It's natural. It's to be expected. That's what they do. It's not a choice in the matter. And with, this was what Pan-Africanism is teaching us. This is what we're saying. Wherever you find us in the world that are being oppressed, then we should aid and assist in shaking and helping them break the shackles of oppression and exploitation to take them from around their neck. This is where the pan-Africanism comes in. This is what we have to do. Everyone does it. So why is it a big thing when we do it? See, this is what we're scared of, though, because what this takes is responsibility and commitment, and guess what else it takes, brothers and sisters? It takes a love of yourself. It takes for you to love yourself. What did our dear brother Malcolm teach us? He said the worst crime that they could have done to us, the white man could have done to us, is teach us to hate ourselves. He has taught us to hate ourselves, to hate our very existence. And in hating ourselves, we begin to hate those who look like us. So ideology is important. If you are not establishing programs to address, then you're not doing anything. Then you're playing. If you're not creating, if your training isn't for revolutionary black nationalism, revolutionary pan Africanism, if your being is not for that, then you're playing. Aren't we tired of playing? Aren't we tired of playing? Challenge your leaders. They owe it to you. We build from the bottom up. The revolutionary understands when he says all powers to the people. Then power lies in the hands of the people so the leadership is accountable to the people. So challenge your leaders. If your leader can't stand that challenge, then you may want to question what type of formation you're in. If your leader can answer those questions, or at the very least, try to find those um, answers or work with you in going in that direction of your ideology, then you might want to question that formation. The end game, I know for us at the People's Black Panther Party anyway, and I'm only assuming from such... The revolution, you know, all of these people claiming revolutionaries, I'm assuming that the end game for them also is self-determination. It's self-determination. That's the fight. That's the fight. Isn't that the fight? Panthers, point number one, 10-point platform, what we want, what we believe, we want freedom. We want the right to determine our own destiny, self-determination. Now, after that declaration has been made, after that statement has been declared, then we have to be about the work of bringing that to fruition. So then that's when we start to, this is the importance of political education, that's when we begin to study our neighborhoods. See what our neighborhoods need, or what we're lacking, or what will help us to start to realize that. Yes, we begin with the feeding programs. Yes, here in Jersey, we're about to do a coat drive. We have tons of coats. So, yes, we do that. We start out the one step, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So, we start out with those type of programs. But it must evolve to community participation, it has to begin to evolve to get the community to start to participate on development, in their own empowerment. What are we doing along those lines? When's the last time any of you out there have been to a community? I know, I know, you don't participate in politics. I've heard it all before. I know, I know. I hear you. We don't participate in politics. Fine. I heard. You. I hope no parent is saying that. That has to mind you. Out of the nine local objectives, I believe it's number three that says we. Objective number three out of the nine local objectives. We must control the politicians and and the politics and the politicians in our communities. Like Malcolm said, black nationalism politically is wherever you find us in the majority, we control the politics and the politicians. So I hope it's not a for saying that. But when's the last time that you've been to a community meeting and find out funds are being allocated for your community or what funds are being taken from your community? Put laws and regulations. See, it's not enough to get out there with your picket signs after the fact or march around with your rifles after the damn fact. Reactionary. The revolutionary is not a reactionary. He is proactive. He or she is proactive. So what are you doing to make sure that you remain proactive and productive? Proactive and productive. These are the things, brothers and sisters, that we have to be. This is the importance of ideology. It is time for the games to be over with. It is time for the clickism. It is time for the homeboyism and the homegirlism to be over with. If you're serious about the love of your people, the empowerment of your people, the advancement of your people, and the liberation of African people here in America, only if you're serious. It is time to put the foolishness aside, the games aside, to start to ask the tough questions. How does your society look after, see, I see you preparing for your survival. And that's, like I said before, that's necessary. I got my little bug out bag. I got my few little odds in ends, end. And, and building a little bit more prayerfully to see me through any revolutionary transformation period. But I am not, that is not the end game. The end game is not just to have enough stockpiles of food and water or ammunition to be a continuous thing. What does the rebuild look like? What does your society look like in the rebuild? Are we able to sit with other people and discuss other revolutionaries, international revolutionaries? Not this empty rhetoric stuff we see, but international revolutionaries, revolutionaries across the board. Are we able to sit with them and to really expose, really articulate our plan, to really articulate our wants and our needs, our desires, our aspirations, and how we plan on bringing them to fruition? Are we able, are we really able to do that? And I mean, here I, here I, I'm here, I'm going to be, you know, I got to be devil's advocate. I would say no. I would say no. After half of what I see, I would be the one to say, I don't think that we'd be ready for that. Because we love the emotionalism, we love to be scared to uh, heights of ecstasy based on pure emotions, raw emotions. We call out the names. We conjure up the pain and the suffrage and the misery, which is very real. We're being murdered in the streets. We're being economically exploited. Our living conditions are below substandard in many instances and cases. Our children are being Miseducated. We're being, we have people that are malnutrition right here and supposed to be one of the richest countries in the world. We're going through. But we don't have anything addressing that. We don't have anything because that's not popular. That's what takes work. And not only is it not popular and what takes work, it to a lot of these, come up with a new name, I'm going to call them appeasists, to a lot of these brothers and sisters who want to appease the establishment, who don't want to make waves, who don't want to look racist, who don't want to look extreme. They go out of their way to run from a natural processing, natural occurrence, where you find groups of people. That's nationalism.
0: That's nationalism.
1: Practice of protracted struggle. We don't make our children. One thing I will say about my mother and father, I have to say, is that I grew up in the struggle. I grew up in the struggle; It was an everyday part of my life. We don't allow that to be an everyday part of our children's lives. We call ourselves sheltering them, but you allow them to watch the weirdest shit on television. You allow them to listen to the weirdest music, to wear the damnedest clothing. But you shelter them from being black. What the hell? Think about it, brothers and sisters. You sheltered them from the red, black, and green. You shelter them from the history, their history, the ups and the downs, the tragedies and the triumphs. But you allow them, you indulge them in every other sickness and perversity. You allow them to take part in that but keep them away from who they are and their responsibilities and obligations to their people. You can talk about that Jew if you want to. You can talk about that Jew. But if he hasn't learned anything from the Holocaust, his slogan is never again. So he starts to implement in his social behavior, in his cultural behavior, hell, even in his religious behavior, things that will promote their empowerment and independence and self-determination. And he's a Jewish nationalist here and paying jewish worldwide. He takes that money and he sends it to Israel. He sends it to Israel and he has his lobbyists to make sure that America remains an ally of that illegal state of Israel. But you wouldn't know that because we don't do political education so we don't understand about Zionism. You worried about some nationalists. And all the while unawarely, unaware of your support for Zionists. Some of you passors, read your manual. Doesn't it say that we're anti criminal colonial federalism? Anti colonialism. Anti what? Zionism. But what is Zionism? You go in and you burn your little coat. Well, it says kosher. Well, does this kosher country support the atrocities? Does this culture, this culture company support the atrocities that are being perpetrated against the Palestinian people? Do your research. Do your homework. That you wouldn't spend one red stick with anybody that supported Nazi Germany during the Second World War, not one single died. But that's with our unaccountable spending. Here we can We have no. We 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 we're not. We're humanitarian. I'm not with that. I had an incident today. Off in one of these retail stores, trying to. Pick up some money, and because the one letter we had the confirmation number, everything was in line. Because one letter was off, the woman behind the counter said she couldn't do it. Can't do it. I said, "Well, the names are so similar, and the confirmation number is the same, and you can't. I can't do it." I said, "Is there anyone black?" This was a Hispanic. I said, "Is there anyone? Can I get a El Negro?" Fiorita, please, Nita El Negro. She's going to ask, what does that matter? What does that matter? It matters because I think that a black person would see this and would use their own discretion, would say, you know what? One letter's off. You got the confirmation on my brother. Here you go. But see, when you see me, do you see a hustler? Do you see someone who's trying to get over on a few? I need someone that looks like me. That has been through the same discrimination before. That has been put through the same bureaucracy and the same BS. When alphabet is off, the addresses line up, the last name lines up, the confirmation lines up. When address is off, and you're putting me through the rigmarole, I need someone black. And you had this sister. And I'm using that word lightly. You had this black woman turn to the white woman behind her and say, They always using race. It ain't about race. So I said, No, sister, it is. It ain't about race. It's a clerk you sister, you want to get loud. I wanna let her have that. I'm gonna so you. I had to keep my minister justice off of. But I'll let her have that. I'm not gonna get loud with you, sister. We're not even gonna make a bigger spectacle. But I told her it's about race and tried to go a little bit into it, but I see you went in it because I'm letting them know that a black person probably would use their own discretion. These people don't see you and I as equals. See, you see them as an equal. You go to appease them. You go to show that you're so loving and caring and you don't see color. You're the only damn fool that don't see color. You're the only idiot that doesn't see color, sister. I'm not saying hate them. I'm not saying hate them. But I'm saying be aware of your social, cultural, uh, 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 social, cultural, the expectations that the society has on you through the social, cultural influence. You must be aware. We must be aware. This is why we say that we are all we have. That we have to stick together. That nationalism isn't a dirty word. Dirty word that we start to do things that will empower us as a nation within a nation. You see, that will start to empower us as such. So I don't even, I don't know what's going on with our formations today. What they're practicing. They scream or we scream, and I'm going to say we because I'm not going to Separate myself from my brothers and sisters. Their affliction is my affliction, and my affliction is their affliction. Their lack of understanding and lack of cooperation and lack of unity affects me as well as mine affects them. So I'm going to say Are. Our, our. Our affliction. But this is what I see today with our organization, no clear cut in our formations, no clear cut direction. I would love to unify. I would love to unify. But I know damn well we're not going to fall under the same banner because I'm not going that way. You ask Chairman Yanga emphatically, I will state emphatically, that the People's Black Panther Party is a revolutionary Black nationalist, revolutionary Pan-Africanist, self-determinist party, political defense party emphatically. That is our end goal. And our biggest aspiration, our biggest political aspiration is stated in number 10 of our 10-point platform. We want a plebiscite, site, a place, a congregation, a gathering of African people at our time and our choosing to elect our officials for self governance And I believe that that's recognized, and I'm going to say me, I believe that that's recognized because I'm a sworn citizen, that that's recognized in the building of, the founding of, and the continual building of the provisional governing of the Republic of New Africa, the PGRNA. So the People's Black Panther Party is just a political party that will participate in the self-governing, that will start to develop, our people, to start to be self-governing, to take roles in the government of the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa. It starts with governing in our communities, self governing our communities. This is why I say African communalism. This is what I mean by African communalism. That's where it starts at. Something simple. See, we don't want to do the simple thing, Or oh, we do a simple thing, but we don't want to do, uh, do something simple continuously. And it's as simple as carpooling to the grocery store. Carpooling to the grocery store. Saving on gas learning your neighbors, forming a clique. Let's carpool to the grocery store. Let's eat together. Let's not just feed the homeless and the hungry, but let's start a feeding once or twice a month to make sure that all these children are getting the proper nutrition. And here's an opportunity for my health departments out there, for you ministers of health and these health departments, these health officials out there, to start to explain proper nutrients, a good and developing good dietary habits. We must take these. This is the importance of program. It's just that to start to begin to program us to act and develop in a certain way. We don't have programs. We don't have programs.
0: And then we come
1: in with this elitist attitude, this save the world, and to a degree that save the world attitude is good, but only if you remember that the first person need in saving is yourself coming in with a save the world attitude like you saved, sucker. Like you got it all together. But the first person... In need of saving is the self, and once we understand that the first person in need of saving is the self, then that feeling can start to spread out. We start to identify and see ourselves with the masses of people. We see ourselves as one with the people. See, once we realize we're in need of saving, this is where the programs begin to get developed because we start to start to think about the programs we need for the advancement? How many of us are one stone throw away from being evicted? One stone throw away from having the out? How many of us don't eat properly? How many of us have um, male and female relationships are going on the bricks and the brinks and how many of us can't understand our children and our children don't understand us? How many of us live in fearful environments? It starts with yourself and when you Start to know what you need to advance. This is what Chairman Khan teaches us about revolutionization. Revolutionizing, he says, like the Christian is
0: baptized
1: to be a Christian, and the Muslim takes his shahada to be a Muslim. The revolutionary must be revolutionized. So when the revolution becomes revolution, when the revolutionary becomes revolutionized, to understand the things that they need to evolve into this creature, this revolutionary, and they start to reach out. See, I believe in the law of attraction. They start to reach out and identify with other people who are trying to evolve, who are trying to better their living conditions, better their home life, better their relationship with their children, to have a peace of mind to have security in the neighborhood, they start to find these likes, and from that is what's called a cadre. Cadre. They build a core, a nucleus. It's not a hundred thousand brothers standing there like the people of Black Man before I have a cadre. I have a working core. I have a foundation of what I would be willing to say are unshakable, unmovable Firm revolutionary brothers and sisters. And why do I say revolutionary brothers and sisters? Because they have that revolutionary understanding. And these are people when you're talking about, I give my life for my car. I give no, these are people that I can say I will give my life for. Why? Because they have that revolutionary understanding and I know they won't go jump in nigger mess. They won't jump in nigger mess. You Negroes are talking about loyalty community when you're not loyal to yourself you're not loyal to your community you're not loyal to your brother and your sister and you want someone to play as their life and to die for you when you don't have enough self-discipline you don't have enough self-discipline to check and how do I know Because it starts with the studies. It starts with the studies. That's where it starts at. And this is what we find. But you watch these cats out here talking about their loyalty. They want you, they're recruiting you like you in a game. And you fall for it. Like I said on my last show, you fuck because you rock the same patch. You think that that are the same button or you call yourself the same thing. You niggas are a gang. Don't tell me. I used to gang bang. I know a gang when I see a gang. A gang doesn't check their brother or sister when they're wrong. A gang doesn't encourage their brother or sister, the immorality, the sickness and the depravity, the savagery. But it, if it doesn't condone it, it turns a blind eye to it. And what do you think is happening in these formations right now? Many of you brothers and sisters know that you have wrong and wrong going on in your formations and you're scared to speak out. You're coward. Why right, do you know what's going on in the bar? Because if I've been attacked by some of these formations or other brothers and sisters are getting attacked, by some of these formations, then we know that there's wrongdoing going on. And if we say we're about unity, then we have to look at the brothers and the sisters that are causing disunity. And it is the responsibility of every revolutionary, but first that revolutionary or that comrade that is closest to you in your formation to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, this is not right. One thing I will say, and I have to give uh a big shout out to my community liaison officer to my my psycho minister of internet communication I call her minister Khadija sister minister Khadija in her groups that she's in, and I read in these groups and when something isn't right, the sister saying, "Hey, sister, don't do that or Rather, be careful here, constantly giving a fight, sincere fight, and encouragement when the encouragement, when the time for encouragement arises, and admonishment when the time for when admonishment is needed. I commend them from that. But this is the character of the People's Black Panther Party. This is what we encourage. I wouldn't expect anything less. My chief of staff, who's working closely with other formations on the West Coast, Putting in the work. I wouldn't expect anything less. Objective number one in the nine local objectives: build a strong Black Power movement, not organization, but a strong Black Power movement. And a movement consists of music, art, culture, language, and various organizations and formations. So we have to come together. But he couldn't come together. He wouldn't be able to do that if his party wasn't right and exact and his party wouldn't be right and exact if he wasn't right and exact because he's an integral part of the party. Am I saying that we don't have ups and downs in our party? No, but we're all an exhibit of revolutionary love that anyone can be admonished and reminded, reminded of the revolutionary standards that we should hold, or that we should up and, and not only hold, but uphold. That we should strive to exemplify. This is the, of a strong ideology. You see, all of this is part of the ideology. But if you don't have an ideology, like I said before, then you're just a black power gang. You're just a black power gang, we used to call that set trip. You are set tripping. You don't listen to the radio program because it's Yanger's program. You don't get involved with other things because it's that path or, or this path or that organization or this organization without any real clear fact. And even worse, you're not asking for the facts. You're taking away from our ability to practice a black
0: nationalism.
1: And there again, if you want to chime in, if you want to talk, press one, I will recognize you. Your opinions, your comments, your critiques, your constructive criticism is all welcome. Brothers and sisters, when I say this is your radio program, this is your radio program. The People's Black Panther Party simply puts the bill. This is your opportunity to talk and to share with us. We encourage your participation because we want to know. We really are committed to not just unifying for the sake of some black unity. That sounds wonderful. I don't know what it means. No one has explained to me what that is, but it sounds good. But this is a, a opportunity for you to chime in and to share because if we don't know what you're thinking, then we don't know how to get along, or we don't know how to work together. We may be missing a vital and valuable key to this whole unity, unification, empowerment, advancement, liberation, anything. But this is why this is important, and this is why I push ideology. And I pushed this ideology and I had this talk on ideology so you would know why we have the various factions. I told you it wasn't nothing personal. Even this conversation isn't a personal conversation. It's just a challenge to those leaderships out there to teach your membership the ideology. Relying on your celebrityism. Stop relying on your little bit of notoriety, your little bit of fame, if that's what you call it. Stop relying on the sensationalism and the empty propaganda. It's killing our people. Please. It's misleading to the people. If you don't have anything to offer the people something, I'm not saying disband your formation. I'm saying get something. I'm saying that we're willing to work with anybody. I have to call the coldest chief. I challenge anybody, chief of staff, and this is not to get out there in a competition because we're not in competition. But as far as administrative duties go, as far as aptitudes and leadership ability and testing,
0: you, listen, I got to have
1: one of the coldest chief of staff, and he's open to work with anyone. Please get it. I will work with anyone. Just get it. Killing our people. Stop misleading our people. Please. Where at this, where at that point? Yes. Oh. I'm hoping we still here, brothers and sisters, because uh, my computer just shut down. So, but I'm 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 going to continue as if we're still on. I don't know if uh, my call. But this is just what we have to, some of the things that we have to do and what we have to look at. We have to start to do the things to bring about that self-sufficiency. Thank you, Chief. We have to do the things that will bring about that self-sufficiency. We have to start to be Progress and program oriented, we have to stop being a fearful people, so called black nationalism, running from running from what we know to be right, what we see exemplified in every other people. We see it in every other people. And we're scared of it. We're scared to practice it ourselves more than ever is now. And the time is now for us, especially in this new uh, regime, in this regime change. In this regime change, we're going into a fascist regime. So in this regime change, It is not only must we step up, but we must hold one another accountable. We must hold one another accountable to start to formulate these councils, these with the leaders to sit around and to devise some type of working program. This is the only way that we're going to survive this. African communalism, brothers and sisters, is the only way that we're going to survive this change. Believe me you. I don't look for any drastic uh, them putting us in boxcars yet. But the programs will be cut. The social programs will be cut. And when social programs are cut, crime goes up. Because people are going to feed their children. And when crimes go up, then the prison closed, and it's already been privatized. So we have to fight our fight on all fronts. We have to have people fighting the wicked wicked legislation that will give a man 100 years for a, 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 a marijuana blunt. We have to have the social program that will allow our families to be able to eat so we don't have to commit crimes to feed our children. We have to have Policing program so that we can't keep repressive the the arm of repression, mainly the police forces out of our community exploiting us. We have to battle on all fronts. We at no point of time have the opportunity, the luxury any longer to be in competition with one another for what? You've heard me say this time and time again. There's enough pain, suffering, and misery, black agony for all of us to share, for all of us to come and try to alleviate. Competition for what? Do we think that they, we were placed in this condition because they battled us on one front? They attacked us physically, psychologically, socially, economically, spiritually. Our battle was a battle on all fronts, and every formation had had their specialty. I'm sorry, I'm I'm choked up because I am tired of us even we having this H and I see this head Negro in charge syndrome so bad that we were even not progressive black organizations who are fighting for the advancement of our people. I've never seen such depravity, such sickness of the mind such sickness of the mind, when you will fight, when you will slander, when you will try your best to destroy a formation that is fighting for the advancement of African people. I don't give a damn if you don't like me or if I don't like you personally. But your formation is a needed formation. And forgive me for loving you, brother and sister, so much. As to being your big brother and say, "Hey, tighten up. Get out of your egos." And I'm not just saying that. I hear people post that, "Oh, we need all of these egos." No, get out of it. This is the, this is the understanding of African communalism. African communalism takes you out of that ego. African communalism takes you out of that ego. And it places you one you start to understand that we're all symbiotic, that we all are interdependent on one another. We have been so bombarded and brainwashed by our oppressors that we have started to take on his ways and not just in his dress and his language and his diet. But in his his, his mental thinking, in his mental thinking, we start to perceive ourselves the way that he perceives us or they perceive us. Then we start to behave towards one another the way that they behave towards us. And we wonder why we can't get anything done. Our organizations have stopped becoming, our formations have stopped becoming formations of the masses of people. We're the people's life and the party. Our formation, our, our main demograph is the lumping proletarian. What is this lumping proletarian? You've heard me say this word before. What is this proletarian? Karl Marx said the proletarian is the working class. The Lumpkin, the Lumpkin proletarian or the lumping is below the working class. He or she is that hustler, that day to day, that trying to get it in, that don't know where the next meal is coming from, that don't know if next month they're going to be evicted or whatever. These are the masses of people that we're trying to reach, the everyday brother or sister who is struggling, but we're so caught up on this recycling, revolutionary through Facebook or debating on Facebook or slandering and ostracizing and putting one another down on social media that you're missing the everyday real life happening right there up the street. from Love my people. People who know me know that I'm not a Christian but I love my people. Since Sunday I went to church. I go get them wherever they at. I sit in there and clap my hands all day. If I'm going to get an opportunity to address my people and reach my people and show my people that there's someone who loves you and there's an organization that's for you, not to come here and save you, but to come here and assist you in saving yourself. To come and assist you in saving yourself. I'm not an elitist. I don't think so lofty of much that I have all the answers. I can come and save you, little one. Let's get out of this Messiah complex that we're waiting for a Savior or we have the audacity to think that we might quite possibly be that Savior. We have all the answers. This age of information has made some of the dumbest niggas. We can Google and smartphone something so that we've lost the ability to have the discipline to sit down and research, and not only that, but to go out and to see how this knowledge affects our brothers' it's reading on Facebook and looking at the YouTube debate and videos that you don't have any applicable skills. That the everyday brother and sister don't understand you. Do you find If you find them looking at you like a deer caught in headlights like blinking and trying to relate or telling you we don't want to hear that shit right now, quit getting mad at them. Oh, niggas kill me. They don't want to hear nothing. No, it's the way that you deliver it. As a revolutionary, it's still your obligation and responsibility to get that message out there. So go back and tweak your message. Go back and figure out a way to deliver it to the masses. Don't get mad at them because you done got so big-headed and so deep, you don't understand your damn self. Your tooth is super-intelligent self. And you are genius, brothers and sisters. Let me just come too hard on because I love you. You are some of the most brilliant people on the planet Earth. Some of the most brilliant people. But it's misdirected. We don't have that proper ideology. See, black nationalism is about compassion. Because black nationalism is about the unification And nationalizing us Coming together That's what it's about So it's Black nationalism is a compassion It's a compassionate ideology It's a compassion Not just towards humanity Not just towards humanity See, Because when you feel better about yourself When you're empowered when you can rely on yourself and you can practice self-determination, you feel better about the world. You're not when you can defend yourself, when you can economically support yourself, you don't have the extra hatred for anyone else because you realize it's only natural to have a disdain and a dislike for your oppressor, for the one that exploits you. But once the oppression is gone and the exploitation is gone, then you can sit at the table with anybody and operate. But if we're not operating on equal footing, I'm going to have that distrust. I'm going to have that disdain. I'm going to look at you cross-eyed because I don't trust your
0: moves.
1: History has more witness that you move, from, that you're not right exact in your dealings, And this is because I'm subjugated to you, I'm subjected to your rules and regulations, and to your legislation. But when I come into my own, then I walk with my head up. Then I tell you what it is, take it or leave it. I no longer become a reactionary because I no longer feel helpless and powerless. I no longer feel uh, minuscule and obscure. But we're scared of it. But we're scared of it. We can't be scared of black nationalism. We can't be scared to empower ourselves. Brothers and sisters, my phone line is open. Press 1 if you like to get in here and say anything. If you like to share opinions or comments, Here's your opportunity. The topic is ideology. Tell me if you belong to a formation, what is your ideology? A lot of times I struggle to see the ideology in other formations. I'm not going to front. I'm trying to figure out where they're going. I follow their progress as best I can. On the social media, what I do see is a lot of beautiful pictures, and I read a lot of beautiful slogans, but I'm trying to figure out exactly what direction they're headed in, and is this something that I can ride along with, something that I can support, something I can tell my party to get wholeheartedly behind, and it's difficult to do. Not only just because we only see the, I don't see a clear-cut ideology, but because of the clickism. the lack of ideology, it causes divisiveness. I see people, they say, join the real Panther Party, join the real Panther Formation. I would love for them to tell me
0: what makes them the real
1: Panther Formation. That's it. I'm, what, what separates? Because if you're doing something real and I'm doing something fake as my brother, you should want to correct me. And I want to correct myself. I want to do the real thing. What is the real thing? But is that just reserved for you? Is this just elitist, more elitism coming in, more neocolonialism, more thinking like these white boys? that we're better than. So we're real and you're not. Everyone else is not real. And the fact, and we're not even going to tell you what we have. We got the secret sauce. We got the special sauce. So we're going to have to reel over here and allow you to be misguided and misled and run amok and go astray. And the people who whom you may have a little influence over port you, we're going to allow you to lead them astray. That's elitism. That's a sickening-ass thought that I've ever heard. There's no longer the time for that. There's no longer the time for that. Lack of ideology. Lack of ideology. And I challenge anyone on it. Am I saying that I have all the answers, but I have a clear-cut ideology? that I am willing to expouse and willing to take information on. That I'm willing to constantly learn about. I have that clear cut ideology. I have a political philosophy. What's their political I challenge their political philosophy. What's well, the political philosophy of the people's Black Panther Party? What are African Democratic Socialist. I don't shit. I don't make no bones about that. Socialist, African Democratic Socialist. We know the difference between that. We understand the difference between that. I'm not a Marxist Leninist. I'm not a Maoist. None of that. I'm an African Democratic Socialist. Some call it scientific socialism. Some call it uh, Torre, Torre and Kume is this is there's there's no there's no make no bones about that but we have to like I said have this proper understanding there again my lines are open Is Brother Chairman Yang of People's Black Panther Party press 1 if you like the comment. If you like if you like to come in, if you like to comment, come in. You can press one. And your opinion and your comments and your constructive criticism is welcome. But to that then we keep we you know we keep we we we'll 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 keep on with the progress. So this is what I'm saying. This this is where I'm going with it. What is our end game? What is our end goal? How are we going to unify if we don't have a clear cut direction, a clear cut belief system? When I say belief system, I'm not talking about theologically, I'm talking about at least some semblance of a shared political philosophy where we would like to see ourselves and how. We expect to achieve those lofty goals, aims, and objectives. And only together will these things be accomplished. Only together will these things be accomplished. Have to start to understanding we are one with the masses and the masses are one with us. And when we have that understanding, then we will understand that, like I said earlier, looking with inside of us will start to provide the answers that we need. What do you need in your life that will empower you? What do you need in your life that will make you a better human being? And those things that you need in your life, I'm willing to guarantee. That those are some of the same exact same exact things that your brother and sister that your neighbor needs in their life. And it starts with you. And it starts with you. Be that change. What did my man Michael say? Man in the mirror. I like that song. Man Man in the Mirror. We start to become that change and then we start, and if we truly are our brother's keepers, and we start, we truly reflect our brother. When that brother sees that in you, that if, and that sister sees that in you, if they don't reflect it now, if they don't reflect it at the moment they see it in you, that desire to reflect that light, that desire to have that happiness that you have, that desire to have that tranquility, that sense of peace, and they're seeing that sense of peace in you and they can feel that and see the way that you walk, that you walk in freedom and power, love. Then they desire those things and they start to hang around and this is what the groups are for. The law of attraction, we start to, it's the ripple effect. It starts with you and it starts to spread out. The people next is contagious. Power is contagious. Peace is contagious. Love is contagious. Righteousness is contagious. Tranquility is contagious. You start to act as a transmitter. People start to pick that up, and it starts to spread out. And this is how that is done. But if we don't have a healthy understanding, if our understanding is one steeped in fear, what Trump gonna do? If it's steeped in hatred, then this is what's gonna be transmitted. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, like you've heard me say before, that has hate has no check. Depravity has no boundaries, savagery knows no limit. And if it's perpetrated against any group of people, you can look at the European. Look at that white boy. Look at him. You thought he was just savage to you. He's savage to his own. He's savage to his own. So when we start to emulate that, savagery, barbarity, when we start to do that, it knows no boundaries. So you might think that you're doing it against a group of people, but then you start to do it with people who disagree with People who don't see it like you see it, even if they look like it. You think I'm playing? Study history. It's happened before. What we're going through is nothing new. These different factions and partisanship in the in in the Panther Party and the splitting is nothing new. The only the probably the biggest difference between us and what they call the original Panthers is at the very least I can say at least they parted, at least they separated. The East Coast, West Coast separated on some knowledge. We're separating on ignorance, on homeboyism, cliqueism, friendism. You know, I'll make up a word. I'll pull a Jesse Jackson on you. I'll make a word up, friendism. We're separating on things that have no substance, have no imports at all. They're not important. You see? And the only thing that's going to bring us back together, it may not bring us under one banner. And like I said on my last show, that's okay. It's okay if it doesn't bring us under one banner. Fine. Any democratic people, any self-governing people, any people who elect their representatives, any people who have a say in their government, a hundred times out of ten, have a different, have a multiple party system. In fact, they tell me America is an oddity that they only will now. I think they have four, a couple more parties, but at one point in time it was an oddity in the world with only a two-party system. Most so-called free nations have multiple party systems, so it's okay. African people in America are not a monolithic people. We're not all. Oh, a one-thinking, one-acting, you know, one-behaving way-type people. So it's okay, but we must embrace our diversity. This is what makes us unique. This is what makes us special as Africans here in America. We are such a diverse, beautiful, wonderful people. All you beautiful people and your diversity is outstanding. I love it. We learn so much from one another in these diversities and this is something that should be embraced this is where we're going to find our power at in that diversity but that diversity should be should go towards and still remembering that you still belong to a group of people our counterparts the Jew how many sects of Jew is it I'm up here in New York, you go through North, New York, is about 100 sects of Jews. And all of them walk past Shalom. Shalom, Shalom. How many Hispanic speaking people are you that tell you I'm Hispanic? And when that sense of diversity, you put them together, they are the Puerto Ricans, the Mexicans, the El Salvadorians, this and that. Yeah, they have their little trips every now and then. But you put them around non-Spanish-speaking people, you would think they were born came from the same mother. So it's okay. We're the only people that haven't learned to embrace our diversity. That it's okay to be different. That this is what's going to strengthen and empower us in the long run. This is what we, you know, we have to remember, have to embrace. is these differences. So, brothers and sisters, we're winding down in our last minute of the show. I think we have six minutes. Give an opportunity to open up the phone lines again for anyone that would like to share, to say anything, so we open up. Let's go to our phone lines, three four seven two one two. Your mic is open. Hello, brother Inga. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, brother. We can hear you. How you doing, brother Inga? Um, this is brother Light from the um from the Bronx. <clears throat> oh, what's going on, um, brother Light? I'm good, man. You did you did good tonight, man. Um, some man, of the things I wanted to, I wanted to say. Was like we need we need land, we need land so we can leave a legacy behind. We need land so we can grow our own crops and do our own things. That was one of the main things I want to say. And we got we gotta take care of the youth. Like think about all of the the black youth that's out here that's in um the group homes, on or the orphanages that's in the foster system. Think about all the um the black youth that's in the, the Caribbean and in Africa. I don't have no parents. They don't have nobody to take care of. I think those are two of the, the most important things. We need land so we can build and develop, and we need to take care of the youth because they're the future. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that that's, and I, I appreciate that, brother light. I think that that's right on point. We definitely need land, and that goes back into our ideology of Pan Africanism. That when you're talking about the our children in other places. That we have to support. And aid. this is why the importance of being
0: pan African.
1: You know, starting that, starting to love, loving ourselves, loving our neighbors, so that that can spread abroad. That the, when we say revolutionary black nationalists, the revolutionary part of that black nationalism, like I was saying before, speaks to our international. You know, the revolutionary is an internationalist. The revolutionary understands that he's part of an international movement, and actually, revolutionary transcends our ethnic ethnic ethnicities and all that. That the revolutionary is anti oppression, anti exploitation on a global level. So this so the, the fact that we call ourselves revolutionary ties us in globally. So you're absolutely right. We have to see the bigger picture. And it's good to have young men like yourself who come on the show. And who who grasps the bigger picture? And I and I can't wait. I look forward to getting to the Bronx, brother. Meeting with you, sitting with you, and having an opportunity to um really just build. Well, definitely,
0: brother. Thank you. Man.
1: No problem. So I got two minutes. Is at my lines offering the opportunity to get to to open up the lines. Feel free to to chime in in our last minutes. Okay. Well, with that, once again, I'd like to thank everyone who called in, who listened, who supports this show. You can, you know, definitely catch us on Mondays. You know, we, we still wait for between the Wednesdays a lot of times, Wednesday and thirties, But I'd like to call, um, thank everyone that called in and lended their support. With that, I'll leave you, as I, as I greeted you, as I came in, all powers to oppressed people, African power to African people, and black power.